Chicago Bears general manager Ryan Poles and likely team president Kevin Warren will meet with the media at some point this week. They need to send the message that the same old Bears, the same old mediocrity, trying to hold this stability and continuity isn't working and isn't acceptable in this organization that needs to aim higher. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow Locked On Bears on all of your favorite social media platforms, including the Locked On Bears YouTube channel, where you can keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use our promo code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. On the show today, we look at what's ahead for Bears management and leadership. Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles, when it comes to the big picture decisions for this team. And in particular, I want to go back to things they've already said in the past, in the recent past, at recent press conferences, when we've gotten to know Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren, and what they sort of set as the direction and expectation for the future of this franchise, and why they need to follow that in their decision-making this offseason when it comes to the coaching staff and maybe even the quarterback situation and really aiming higher with this organization and not settling for the mediocre continuity and stability that we're used to with this organization, especially to me from Kevin Warren, who is really supposed to be the top, like other than ownership, he is the team president, the top in charge of all operations of the organization. He's somebody who's talked about trying to be, you know, hands off enough with football operations so that Ryan Polis can do general managing and that Matt Eberflus can do head coaching. But at the end of the day, the buck stops with Kevin Warren and he's the outside voice, right? He's not Ted Phillips as the extension of the McCaskey family. And he's not, he's not been a part of this organization for years and years and years. He's not part of the family. He brings in a fresh outside perspective that is supposed to raise the bar. And I want to go back to what Kevin Warren said during his introductory press conference when he was named team president of the Chicago Bears. Of course, this is a year into Matt Eberflus's regime and Ryan Poles' regime, so he's brought in after the fact. But he set this, the stage and the tone for, I think, what he wants to see from this Bears team and from this Bears organization. One of the things I've learned is when you build a championship culture, the questions and the ideal and the thought process of who has the final say and all that really becomes irrelevant because at the end of the day, when we come out of whatever room we're in, we have the common goal. And the common goal is to bring championships here. And so I think uh, my goal, I know every day, whether it's football, whether it's business, whether it's stadium, whether it's league matters, whether it's dealing with ownership, is to make sure that we're prepared, we're organized, we're detailed, we're methodical, and I'm there as a resource. And as I say, honestly, I always look up, I mean, because this is, I'm a very boring person. Uh, this is all that I do, 
you know, I don't have any hobbies. My wife's been telling me for years, you need to get hobbies. She finally stopped telling me that a couple years ago. She recognizes it's my family and it's my work. And, and this is not even work to me anymore. This is a unique situation. And so because of that, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to come with no ego to be able to say, who do I know? Who do I know about someone? What can I bring to help the football operations to bring us a championship? Coach Dick Vermeil says something to me during our quest in St. Louis for a Super Bowl. Our first year, we were 5-11. and 11. Second year, we were 4-12. and 12. Last year, 16-3, and 3, our Super Bowl year. Two things he said. He said a lot of things, but really resonate with me. The second year, he said to me, he said, once people in the building realize that not if, but when we win the Super Bowl, that all of our rings are going to look the same, that they'll put their egos to the side. And it was interesting at the ring ceremony, it was right. My Super Bowl ring looked just like Kurt Warner's. It looks like just like Marshall Fox, Orlando Pace, and Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce. It looked the same. And so that's one thing. The other thing that he said is you got to recognize that when you build a house, you build the basement first. So although you drive by a house and you don't see any progress upon land, that doesn't mean the building is not going on. And so I think with that and that common goal that, that, that Matt and Ryan and George and everyone in this organization will have, it will be a very uh, healthy environment. We won't agree on everything, uh, but we'll work together because we have a common goal of making sure that we bring championships to this franchise. A lot of talk about the foundation being built, and you can't always see the foundation when it's being built. And of course, championships and aiming for a championship and having that, you know, building that basement in Chicago there. And you wonder, you know, does he see Matt Eberflus as building that proper basement and that championship? I mean, he, he's referenced now multiple times, both in that press conference and in an interview they mentioned during the broadcast against the Packers, you know, those 1999 St. Louis Rams with Dick Vermeil, where, you know, in year three, is when they really took that big jump. It took a couple years for Vermeil to lay the foundation. And then all of a sudden in year three, they took that big leap forward. And is that, I mean, is that what he sees with, with Matt Eberflus or, or does he see mediocrity in this Bears organization right now and not good enough being the performance and not seeing enough of the progress? Like there's some interesting parallels to those 1999 Rams under Vermeil that after the 98 season, right before their big jump, before year three, between year two and year three where the Bears are now, the Rams fired their offensive coordinator, brought in a new one by the name of Mike Martz. They traded away their quarterback and ended up going with a first-year starter in Kurt Warner. They also signed a quarterback in free agency, but they drafted a wide receiver with their first-round pick, sixth overall, Torrey Holt. Is that not parallels to firing Luke Getze? trading away Justin Fields, getting a rookie quarterback, and also trying to draft a wide receiver in the top of the first round. Like, some real parallels there, although they also traded a couple of draft picks for Marshall Falk, which was huge. And, I mean, a lot of that feels really fluky for the 99 Rams. That, okay, Kurt Warner goes from from undrafted bag boy to Hall of Fame quarterback. That's You can't just recreate that in Chicago. Certainly, you know, you got a hit on Torrey Holt there. The trade for Marshall Falk obviously makes a big difference. Mike Martz makes a big difference. And I don't know that... Matt Eberflus is quite dick for meal either. Like a lot of things came together really well for that Rams team and just try and say, oh, we can just refollow that model again in Chicago. Doesn't seem realistic to me. I mean, they really were a lot of different kind of crazy things and that's how it comes together for Super Bowl teams. But to me, that's not a, a, a 
a repeatable formula. And if anything, it signals the need to be bold, like the Rams were at that time, to make a big quarterback change, to go get a big time running back, to change offensive coordinators, to go to go make big, significant changes to the organization and to the team to try and put them over the top. I just think head coach needs to be one of those in Chicago right now when it wasn't one of those they made with the Rams at that time. And that's what I'm wondering if Ryan, if, if Kevin Warren might see things similarly this time around. That, okay, no, let's not change the head coach, but let's go be bold everywhere else. And I'm, I'm not sold that that's the right move for the Bears 25 or 24 years later from when those Rams were making those same decisions. Who knows how much influence Kevin Warren's actually going to have in some of those moves, though. It's going to fall a lot on Ryan Poles' shoulders. And in particular, I want to pay close attention to what Ryan Poles has talked about before when it comes to expectations and progress and championships and, and winning the division and sustaining success and how that compares to what we've seen over the time and how, how do the actions match up with the words we've heard from Ryan Poles. We'll hear what he's said in the recent past next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And people love FanDuel. It gets to be number one because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place any $5 bet. So win or lose, whether your bet is correct or not, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets added to your account. Whether you're betting on the rest of the NFL playoffs, the NBA season, the NHL season, or before long we'll have free agency and NFL draft prop bets on FanDuel as well. A lot of different ways to play with your Bears. There's already NFL draft preps on there. And whether Caleb Williams or the field will be the number one overall pick, whether that's the Bears picking or not. A lot of fun ways to play at FanDuel. You place any $5 bet, you're getting $150 if you go to our URL, fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So Ryan Poles will ultimately be the one that makes the personnel decisions and the the big, bold changes to his roster. Kevin Warren's not talking to him, if I think about Caleb Williams or Justin Fields per se, but he's more leading directionally and certainly having input on Matt Eberflus, I would imagine, as the team president. Those are, those are kind of the higher level decisions that the team president would be in on. But as we've heard, you know, Matt, uh, Ryan Poles talk about Matt Eberflus from, from the moment they came to the organization at the same time and over the course of the last two seasons where certainly year one was underachieving in terms of wins, but, you know, they kind of said, listen, we wanted to win more, certainly, but we liked the the direction and the, the way we fought through adversity and the way this team is starting to go. But then year two, you start out in what feels like almost a worst, a worse spot to begin that season, 0-4 and, and then 2-7 and seven, when it was, you know, when you started to get to the turnaround phase. And then, of course, finish 7-10. and 10. No doubt the win-loss record improved over the course of the season, but just because the final win record was at seven and 10, not all seven and tens are created equal. And the way the bears kind of stumbled to seven and 10 did not feel indicative of a team that made huge leaps of progress forward across the board. The defense got better, but got better against not a lot of great offenses. Some, a couple of decent offenses in there, but not a lot of great offenses in there. And it, it, that's sort of all where we come back to this Matt Eberflus conversation. But I want to go first to, to what Ryan Poles said. This was, before this season, a Ryan Pulse press conference, I want to say this was, if I remember correctly, this was the beginning of training camp, right before the team reported. And this is Ryan Pulse talking about like this idea of going for championships and, and the expectations that come with where they want to be as an organization. 
I don't want to put a ceiling on, on what we can be, but I know our goal is always to win the division and be a championship caliber team. That's always going to, that standard's always going to be there. Um, and I would even say, like, I think every year, regardless if you're a Super Bowl team or wherever you're at, there's a lot of unknowns. So that's what makes our job really hard is you constantly have to adapt and adjust and, and be on your toes to make adjustments and try to be the absolute best that you can possibly be. Right. You guys to standards or you hold the roster as a whole or Matt to standards. Is the standard the maximum of what you think it can be when you look at them and say, here's, here's the high end of the range of possibilities? That is the standard of That's play. the championship mindset that we talk about. The standard is being champions in the entire thing. Being Super Bowl champions is always going to be what we're putting ourselves against. And because you got to shoot for that every single year and you got to have that mentality in order to improve and get to where we want to go. Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren both have it right when they make the priority about championships, right? The goal is not make the playoffs every year. The goal is not get above 500 every year. The goal isn't even win the division every year. I mean, yes, win the division is is part of the goal and being above 500 is part of the goal and making the playoffs is, those things are all part of winning a championship. But when you set the bar at championship, the highest possible outcome, then that's the standard everyone needs to strive towards and eventually meet. And I think Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren have to really sit themselves down and look in the mirror and ask themselves, is Matt Eberflus getting you closer to a championship? Is Justin Fields getting you closer to a championship? Is this the head coach and therefore his coaching staff that are going to get you to a championship? Is the head coach who's defensive coordinator left after week one or week two and resigned under mysterious, perhaps HR-related circumstances. Is that the head coach to take you to the Super Bowl? Is the head coach whose running backs coach was let go, fired, resigned for HR circumstances during the season? Is that the guy to take you to championships? If you enter this offseason and say, okay, the Bears need to fire Luke Getze. If the organization agrees, Getze's not the right guy for offensive coordinator. Is the head coach who picked him the right guy to take you to championships? The head coach who's firing his offensive coordinator already lost his defensive coordinator, has to replace both coordinators. Like you talk about building a foundation, right, and setting that culture in place. Is is replacing both coordinators maintaining the culture is is are these coordinators that were in place all off season and through at least week two setting the correct culture it, it is a culture and a culture that players have generally seemed to like but we also need to separate sometimes that what what players like and what's best for the team are not always the same thing and it's hard to feel like an endorsement of the head coach as like you sit in the press conference after the season and say, yes, we believe in Matt Eberflus as a leader of our team, except we don't believe in the offensive or defensive coordinator that he hired. And that was so important to this team to have that continuity from year one to year two. They talked about that a lot over the course of this past off season of like, yeah, it's so much easier when you got all this continuity across the board so everyone can get better. And then no one was better for the first Five weeks of the season, there was no progress. There was no continuity. There was no, you know, path forward, despite that being all of the talk and all of the expectation. And those expectations largely unmet for at least the first half of the season. 
when you get to seven and ten at the end of the season, to me, like I've I've seen a lot of people out there say, you know, Bears fans on Twitter or whatever will say, like, if we had told you before the season that the Bears would finish seven and ten, wouldn't you have been happy with that? Isn't that what people were predicting for the Bears? And it's like people were predicting seven and ten for the Bears as as a way of saying we don't think they're gonna be very good this season. Like the optimistic Bears fan who was, you know, thought Justin Fields could take the big step forward, like, you know, the, the really positive, you know, dare I say, like, Homer opinion on the Bears' record this season was 10 wins, maybe even 11 wins, playoffs, right? Like, that was the year two Jalen Hurts jump. That, to me, would be like the, yeah, okay, Matt Eberflus figures something out. But be, because he got his way to 7-10, and 10, beating a Commanders team that fired their coach, a Raiders team that fired their coach, a Panthers team that fired their coach, a Falcons team that fired their coach, and then a really bad Cardinals team, and then I'll give you I'll give you three decent division wins against the Lions, Vikings, and Lions again, but against four teams that fired their head coach and another team that was at the bottom of the NFL. Like he, five of those games were games that if you had lost those games, you would be very very concerned because they absolutely should have beaten those teams. Well, along the way you lost games that also leave you being very concerned, like the first Packers game, like the Buccaneers game to an extent. The, certainly the Broncos game left you very concerned. It, it, along, the Browns game was an absolutely concerning defeat at the end. And the last Packers game, like you have very few moments this season where you're like, wow, the Bears won that game that they weren't supposed to or had that big, great game that they weren't supposed to. Of course, sorry, they only beat the Lions one time. I gave them credit for the Lions twice there. They lost the Lions. It's one of those games that they blew along the way, right? I mean, they didn't even do that. So that that to me is where, like, Iberflus made the most minimal progress. I'll give you, I'll give him credit for the defense playing better over time, although adding Montez Sweat certainly made a big difference there. And I still am left feeling like the progress this team made this season was so much more about the personnel Ryan Poles brought in than some specific great coaching job that Matt Eberflus did. I think two, two, there are two things that I'm stuck on in that point. There's one that, can you sit here today and point to what does Matt Eberflus do well as a defensive coordinator? What makes him a good defensive coordinator? I understand the head coach, locker room chemistry, players seem to like him stuff, but like for this Bears defense, if we want to give Matt Eberflus credit for how well this Bears defense played. Can you tell me what specifically Matt Eberflus did well as a defensive play caller, schemer, and game planner? What, what, what was he doing specifically that made this team so much better? It's hard to point to like specifically, you know, is, is, is it the play calling? Is it the coverages? Is it the blitzes? Like, or is he just a decent, okay, average play caller that had better players this season and better players helped the defense play a lot better against some bad offenses like Joe Flacco and the Browns and, Tyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals and Tyler Heineke in the, the Atlanta Falcons and Josh Dobbs in the Minnesota Vikings and Bryce Young in the Carolina Panthers. Like, it's hard for me to point to what Matt Eberflus did really, really well as a defensive coach. And along with that, if you had to ask yourself, what's the number one reason the Bears did not make the playoffs this season? To me, it's coaching. Maybe you could say injuries or a little bit of lack of talent in terms of pass rush being slow to come along and offensive line struggling a little bit there. I mean, maybe you could you could make a, a quarterback argument, I guess. But, like, to me, it's coaching. And if the coaching is the number one reason you didn't make the playoffs this season, or certainly it has to be in everyone's top three. Maybe it's not number one for you, but it's got to be top three. If coaching's anywhere in that top three, you can't bring that guy back and think he's the one to take you towards that championship mentality and that championship steps forward. And so 
I really want to make the case here for Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles to do better. And we'll explain what that looks like and why that's important next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks, the best way to play daily fantasy sports because Prize Picks puts you in complete control. With Prize Picks, you pick two to six players and whether they perform better or worse than their Prize Picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money just for getting your picks correct on any sport. You know, unlike other daily fantasy platforms where, you know, you're setting a lineup and then you got to beat a thousand other people's lineups that includes the Sharks and the Pros and all that stuff. With Prize Picks, it's just your you versus the house. You're in complete control. It's a lot of fun. And it gives you a little bit of extra stakes of like, okay, how, how well is this player performing? I need them to hit this many yards or be below this many touchdowns or whatever you end up setting your prize picks projections and picks at. Try it out for yourself. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use our promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. It's an extra hundred bucks to play with at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL promo code locked on NFL prize picks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. For too long, this Chicago Bears organization has allowed mediocrity and just low expectations to be acceptable for this franchise until it becomes so unbearable and then you fire Matt Nagy, right? Or it becomes so unbearable and then you fire John Fox or whatever it might be, but like they, they've too long allowed the status quo to be valuable for this organization. And I, I, I got scared when you heard the report during the bears Packers game about what Kevin Warren said about valuing stability and continuity within the organization. And I'm just worried that we're going to get to the Ryan Poles, Kevin Warren press conference this week. And they're going to say, listen, we know the team needs to keep improving, but we saw we like the improvement we saw this season, and we think the team can keep getting better under this head coach. And look at all the adversity that they overcame, and we liked the way that the players kept playing hard for the coach and that the locker room didn't fracture. And look at all the things that could have gone wrong or could have gone worse. And Matt Eberflus was the one who kept things together and ultimately is the one that we want to keep pushing this franchise forward because, and then not saying, and I think that's where their statement is because, you know, on the side, parenthetically, that's stability. It's continuity, right? The Chicago bears as an organization, they don't want to be viewed as one where there's constantly turnover, where coaches are leaving and general managers are leaving or quarterbacks are leaving. And that it's not a stable, healthy organization, but one that's constantly making the wrong moves and and constantly in this sort of, you know, upheaval state and never having that like moment to moment, year to year stability that, that all of a sudden that comfort becomes more important than what Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles talked about all along championships, championships, winning has to be the most important thing. And when, when you look at a seven and 10 Matt Eberflus season, that is maybe, I would say at best, scratched the bare minimum of what you needed to see this season. You're saying bare minimum, meeting minimal expectations is enough, is successful, is something 
we as an organization and a leadership team endorse as correct and good and right for this franchise that we, we because you know if we hear them talk about overcoming adversity and the locker room not fracturing what do you think caused that adversity what do you think was driving that potential fracture like last year you had the excuse of, of like okay they gutted the whole roster and you had a lot of garbage players on the team i mean no offense to those guys they they all played hard or whatever but like not a lot of long-term pieces were involved in last year's team. So that was the adversity they had to overcome. They traded away Robert Quinn and, and Roquan Smith and, you know, a lot, yeah, a lot of turnover. It was a tough situation. I'll give you credit. I'll give Matt Eberflus credit for overcoming that adversity that was not within his control. What adversity this season was outside of the coaching staff's control? I mean, you say Alan Williams was outside the coaching staff's control. I mean, they hired him. He was their choice to have around. So they didn't choose for him to have to leave, but like, that was a head coach created problem, hiring Alan Williams who left. Okay, the adversity, I guess injuries were adversity at times this season, but like you say 0-4, they started 0-4, that's some adversity they overcame. Why did they start 0-4? Why did they start 2-7? You look through the first nine games of this season at 2-7. What was the biggest reason the Bears went 2-7 in nine games? Was it injuries or was it coaching decisions? The defensive coaching in the first handful of games Terrible. The defense got absolutely gashed. The offensive coaching through much of that early part of the season, terrible. Couldn't get anything going consistently against Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Kansas City. And then finally they blow it against Denver and they blow it against the Vikings. And then Justin Fields gets hurt. And like, sure, again, injury is a part of that, I guess. But like, is that is that the threshold now that you overcome your own coaching malpractice over the course of the season and find a way to fix your mistakes to barely crash and burn your way to seven and 10 and barely meet the minimum expectations of maybe what you thought the bears could potentially be this season. And that's good enough. Is that where the franchise wants to be? Ah, yes. Seven and 10 barely. Great. We got our ass kicked by the, our division rivals embarrassingly twice. That's good. That's okay. They like the coach and he's, he's holding them together in spite of his failings like that. He's creating the adversity there. Why aim higher. We've seen Ryan Poles be willing to admit his mistakes. He traded away Chase Claypool and said, yeah, got that one wrong. My bad. You know, he's moved on from Alex Leatherwood, who he climbed on waivers and paid a lot of money that never really went anywhere. Like he's been willing to say, I gave it a try. I gave it some time. I, I try swung for something, tried to see if that could work, admitted it didn't work, moved on. He needs to do the same thing with Matt Eberflus. He tried it. He held him through the really difficult transition part. Like there was, there was hope that Matt Eberflus could pan out as a head coach, but now after two seasons, it's not, the progress is not there and continuity and stability be damned. Like if you want to continue the stable, like mediocrity, the stable average, if you want to be seven and 10, eight and nine, nine and eight every season, because you like that stability, that's certainly a choice. You can value the stability or you can value championships, especially in an off season where at head coach, you have the opportunity to get potentially multiple championship winning head coaches. I mean, Jim Harbaugh just won at Michigan. He's out there. Certainly it sounds like he's coming to the NFL, whether it's the bears or more likely the Raiders or the chargers. There's a championship winning coach out there. If championships are the most important thing to Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles that we heard about them both say multiple times over the course of the last couple of years, go get a championship winner in Jim Harbaugh. Go get a championship winner 
in Bill Belichick. I mean, I'm not here to say that Bill Belichick is attainable, but all the rumors feel like he's not going to be back in New England or might not be back in New England or could be available. Go get him. It sounds like Mike Tomlin probably not available from Pittsburgh, but like championship coaches are out there. If championships are really the most important thing to you, then go out and get one of those championship coaches. I mean, you could even find an assistant coach on another championship winning team. You know, like this isn't the best example. It might not be my first choice, but like Raheem Morris of the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, Super Bowl champion coach has won successfully and has seen what it takes to be a winning organization. Like this is not a Raheem Morris endorsement specifically, but just to say like, if championships are the most important thing, and this coach is clearly not the guy who's elevating your players and getting them to the championship, go get someone who has literally done it before. They don't have to even have the head coaching experience per se. They can be an assistant on a championship team, but like this is, it's kind of like the quarterback conversation with Fields and and potentially Caleb Williams, where it's like, yeah, sure, Evolus might be okay, but you have the opportunity to go get something even better. You know what I mean? It would be different if, Harbaugh wasn't there and you're okay. Your, your best bet is taking a shot at Ben Johnson or an un, a really unknown coach or whatever's out there, but you have some, you have some options at some legitimately like serious, successful, proven winning coaches who can take your team to the next level. And then you can also pair them up with a bunch of cap space and a bunch of draft capital and all, I mean, all this stuff to make it a really nice boost forward toward a championship. That's what I want the bears to do. Aim higher, swing for the fences, do better for this Chicago Bears organization and for these Chicago Bears fans who have put up with a bunch of crap from this organization for 40 years. I mean, it's beyond time to aim higher and do better. And that's what Kevin Warren was supposed to have been brought in for. It's what Ryan Poles was supposed to have been brought in for. Let's hope they make the right decisions this week. Whatever we hear from Ryan Poles and maybe Kevin Warren at press conference this week, you can be sure. We'll bring you all the most important moments right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you come on back tomorrow. Make us your first listen again each and every single day because that's going to be the best way for you to make sure that Every day, you get your next opportunity to bear down.